Do you like music? Dance? How about epic love stories and tragic endings? Do brothels wet your whistle? If France is on your list of places to visit, you're just about ready for a good time. Perhaps with the help of a little green fairy. This is based, biased, or BS. Green fairy for sure. <laughs> Hello, my name is Zach. And I'm Maddie. And this is the podcast where two best friends... Tell one true story. And this is our first episode. So, take it easy on us. And also, happy birthday. Yeah. Today is our birthday. For our very first episode, we are going to be talking about um, the film slash the actual real-life place, The Moulin Rouge! Exclamation point. The movie has an exclamation point in the title. Let's explain the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> on this show, basically what we want to do is have one friend have researched the true story and have one friend... Watched... The movie. Yes. That the true story is based off of. Exactly. It gets a little complicated to say that, so I think it's easiest if we have each other's names. So, for this episode, Maddie's the researcher. Correct. She knows the true story behind um, the film that I have watched, I'm the watcher, I have watched... He has watched Moulin, Moulin Rouge, Rouge, exclamation point. For better or for worse. I feel like I... That's telling. Slightly... Had, like, some... <laughs> the first half is really hard to get through, I'll just say. It's a lot of emotions and a lot of camera angles. Um, but let's talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> so, that's the podcast. We're going to get into a lot of different, like, genres of movies. I feel like it opens up to a lot of anything that we yeah. want to do. That's based on a true story. So so we just jumped in feet first into a musical movie. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so let's learn a little bit about Moulin Rouge! Exclamation point. I'll keep saying it. It's a 2001 film directed and co-written by Baz Luhrmann is this man's name. Yes. And actually turns out when I was watching the movie, I was like, first of all, who is the crazy... Mind behind this? Yeah. yeah. What is going on and who... Was the person to say, this is what I want to happen. But it did remind me of the Romeo and Juliet remake movie. Have you ever seen? Yes, I have. Yeah, and while I was watching, I was like, this is very that. And then when I learned it was him who also directed it, I was like, oh, obviously. Fun fact, that's also not fun. He died before the release of the movie. Oh, which one? Oh, um, this one. <laughs> oh, Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. Okay. Yes. 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 Um, so the movie Moulin Rouge! Exclamation point. It tells a deeply romantic story of a writer and his muse through a wildly flamboyant and drug-fueled lens. The film features Ewan McGregor as Christian, who is our hopeless romantic playwright, and, of course, Nicole Kidman as Satine. And she's beautiful in every second of the movie. Um, she is also known as the diamond performer of the Moulin Rouge, or the di- diamond of the club or something. I forget exactly the name. As we said earlier, this is also a musical, but not just any plain old musical. This film features songs by iconic artists such as Elton John, Nat King Cole, Lil' Kim, Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue also is the, the Green, Green Fairy. Fairy. I had no idea. Um, Whitney Houston, Madonna, Nirvana, The Beatles, Missy Elliott, David Bowie, and Dolly Parton, just to name a few of the lesser known. 
Think Dolly so. Parton to name a few the lesser. Just names. all of those names are like, what the hell is going on? It's like <laughs> it's the stu- top of studded. every genre yeah. under the sun, all smashed into like a two-hour roller coaster ride. Yes. Um. So it received eight Oscar nominations. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. That surprised me. <laughs> um. But um. One of them was for Nicole Kidman as best lead actress. It received two Oscars. It won two. One for best production design and the other for best costume design. Mm-hmm. Pretty worth it for those categories. The costumes, I read something where it was like they had to have over 300 costumes for the entire production of the show. Wild. And in 2016, the BBC ranked the film as number 53 on its top 100 films of the century. Of the century. Yes. Wow. And by critics, it was, like, very, very hit or miss. Like, either people really understood it and, like, almost to the point of, like, dissecting moments of it and what does it mean and why this. And the other half is, like, it's chaotic wildness that means nothing. Sure. I It took me um, two days to watch it because I needed a break after the first half. Um, Appreciate the commitment. Thank you. Thank you. But I will say that when I came back to it the second day, I had a very different attitude about it. I, spoiler alert, enjoyed the ending a lot. Okay. It started off rough. For me. For me. For me, for me, for me. Maybe not for you. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Don't hate me. I feel like there's a cult following to Moulin Rouge and I'm like, I don't get it. And people are like, oh my God. I don't know. Yeah. I understand what you mean because... I'm of the same... The reason I... Well, I chose this movie because yeah. I saw the musical. Mm. So only my only knowledge of it beyond the, the researching I have done is having seen the musical, which I know is quite different from the movie, at least what I believe okay. to be. So we can kind of compare yeah. there to a little bit. Moulin Rouge, exclamation point, has many, many source materials. They won those two awards. And as you mentioned, um, Baz Luhrmann produced and co-wrote and co-directed. And then his wife, Mm. Catherine Martin, um, was a designer on it as well. So she Mm. has always kind of been part of his his productions, Productions. Mm -hmm. which is interesting. So when asked about what his inspiration was, uh, he spoke about... La Boheme, which is yes. the opera. Yes. He also spoke about Bollywood films. Okay. He yes. also spoke about yes. something called La Dame au Camille, which when I explain it, I think will make more sense. Okay. Because I know you probably don't know what that yeah, means. I know. Yeah. He also talked about Orpheus and Eurydice. Eurydice? Eurydice. Oh, Orpheus. Yeah, Eurydice. Eurydice. Yeah. Which I will talk about okay. how that is kind of... I get it. Pulled from yeah. there. And then some actual real people that were alive at the time. And then also Moulin Rouge itself. Okay. Um, but some of the people that um, were a part of this are someone named Jane Evriel. I don't know okay. if that name does anything. I... For you uh, or for... The movie? Yeah. I... Okay. There was... I'll be honest. There was like... <clears throat> When I watch a movie, I really try to judge who's going to be main characters and who's not, and who I have to pay attention to, Mm because it was a lot. Yeah. And there was a couple, like, four or five side characters that I thought were going to be not important, and then really were. 
And he, he could mm. certainly be one of those people. I'm going to look it up. Oh. Jane Avril. Not Jean. Um, <clears throat> there's also Harold Zidler. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Mustache H- McGee. And um, Henry de Toulouse Lautrec. Yes. Yes. Okay. He. And then one more. I'm just going to let me say okay, it real yes. quick. Is <laughs> Le Petomaine. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Those three I definitely know. Okay. <clears throat> Toulouse for sure is a main character and is supposed to be short. Yes. And possibly like a little person, but is played by not. Is not played by? No. He's okay. fully a man on his knees. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So I think it's, I can't, don't know if it's Henry or my French, my four and Henri. a half years of French wants to say Henri very badly. Do it. Henri of Moulin Rouge was a composer, but in real life he was an artist and one of the greatest post-impressionist painters of his time. Mm, this is Toulouse? This is, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which you said is the short Yeah, man. he was like short. Yes. Yes. So I think what I've gathered <laughs> I is said that... he was like short. <laughs> <laughs> is that in the, in, in what I've seen from the musical also is it's a composer, not someone who's like a, he's not a, an actual artist, physical Yes, painter. he definitely had moments of like Im- influence in the script. Okay. Of what they were writing. So, and then post-impressionist is painters like Cezanne and Van Gogh. Okay. So those are kind of Van more. Van Gogh is like, is he the one with like lilies? That's Monet. Who's Van Gogh? The like ones with I the like he, faces all over the place? He, I think he cut his ear off. Yes. Wait, that's Monet. Wait. No, Monet's the lilies. I think you're right. I can't remember. <laughs> I think the Van Gogh might be the lily. Look it up. Really quick. Vincent Van Gogh. Okay. He was like... He was like Squiggles and like the Screaming Man. And the moon. And the the like like night, starry night. Starry night. So Vincent Van Gogh. (laughs) (laughs) Not you starting over like we're going to cut that. Obviously we're not. (laughs) Us being like, wait, Van Gogh, Van Gogh. So Van Gogh was what I thought, which is what I actually. Postmodern. Postmodern. No. Sorry. Post-impressionist painter. Okay, got it. And he did the scream painting. Yes. Is an iconic one. Yes. And also Starry Night, which I actually won um, fourth grade female artist of the year yeah. for my take on that. So A painting? Yes. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> However, he did have some quirks. Yeah. So his family used to be a part of the aristocracy. So they had like just recently fallen out of money. Okay. They were also inbreeders. <gasps> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> he also <laughs> he, Wait. Wait, he also Okay. broke his left thigh at 13 years old and his right thigh at 14 years old and they never healed properly. Okay. So in addition to the inbreeding that left him a 5-1 man with little legs and an adult-sized torso. So that was Okay. Partially in the movie. Okay, yeah, it was, honestly, because he definitely wasn't, I want to be respectful, Yeah. but, like, a little person, there's, like, certain features, like, facial features and, like, structure that you can, like, tell, I guess, but he didn't have those, the actor, so I guess he's not really, because it was more of, like, an accident, you're saying, or, like, he had, like, Well, it was partially in his, leg injuries mixed with his family- like inbreeding. incest and inbreeding yeah. meant that he he just like didn't grow 
Yeah, Correctly. you've seen what happens to dogs when they like Ew. overbreed. They like stop being able to breathe and stuff. <sighs> yeah. So okay, that was that's that's partially yeah. he was definitely, him. Yes, great. So the other m- kind of main guy, Harold Zidler. Yeah, uh, got his name from Charles Zidler. Okay, who was one of the real owners of the Moulin Rouge. Okay, he was called an impresario, which meant he would organize and finance the shows put on at the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, there's almost nothing on him though, but there mm. is. That's really it. Was he was just the guy organizing it and yeah, and financing it, which I don't. What I remember of the musical, he the money is a problem. Yeah, it's a lot about money. Yeah, for <clears throat> sure. Zidler, Zidler. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's basically the like manager kind of of the Moulin Rouge and takes on kind of like the um ringmaster kind of role of a lot mm. of like yeah that kind of like announcer kind of thing but he is trying to search for money a right. lot of the movie from the duke does he have like a relationship with any with like satine or anything or any of the characters or is he is he just kind of truly like so he no he's very he's like a main character he definitely has a relationship with satine he what kind of relationship? Yeah, so he's raised her as a kid okay. since she was a kid. So uh-huh. as she is in the movie, she's kind of learning that what she's been taught about herself isn't very true. So she's learned that men will only love her if she gets paid for it. Or if they have to pay for it. Or if she's like being their fantasy rather than her being herself. And mm. Ziedler's kind of the person... Who took care of her, but also kind of instilled those kind of things in her. So she's kind of like learning to break away from that. So in the movie, they definitely had a like quasi father-daughter relationship. But maybe it doesn't sound like that. I don't know. I haven't I, heard about Satine, if she's a real person or not. So Jane Avril is is oh. the can-can dancer okay. that was the inspiration for Satine. Okay. Um, so she was hired at the Moulin Rouge in 1889. And was described as the incarnation of dance. Mm. Or she would move like a, an orchid in frenzy, a frenzied orchid. Okay. She would, yeah, move like a frenzied orchid. Wow. Is just how she would, yeah. That's very descriptive. So she had what we now believe to be something called Sidenham's chorea, which is characterized by rapid, uncoordinated, jerking movements, primarily affecting the face, hands, and feet. But it's not, ter- like... Tourette's syndrome. Okay. Oh, this was her illness. Yes, this was this girl's oh, illness. Oh, okay. So she, like, her mom was a prostitute, and uh-huh. then she, like, tried to send her away to a boarding school to get her away from that life, but it didn't work, and then she ended up being a sex worker also. Okay. And that's, um, uh, well, then she got sent to the, uh, she got sent to a mental institution, which is where they diagnosed her with this. Mm, her mother. Yes, okay. which with this disease, not her mother, Jane got sent to the oh. mental institution with oh, wow. this disease. Okay, and then she said one time they were having this dance for the patients and workers, and that was mm-hmm. the first time she felt like freedom from her illness. Oh, wow. And she said that dance cured her, and she was called Latrange, which means the strange one, or Jane Lafoy, crazy Jane pretty different i think yeah. from what they call refer to satine yeah she movie. didn't have any of this kind of mm-hmm. uh, yeah she was sickly like physically sickly not there but there wasn't any mental 
illness. Mm. And so then this Jane met her husband at 42, which kind of brings about that idea of the older woman, I think. That Wait, is say a, that again? She met her husband at 42. Oh, okay. Like kind of an older age yeah. at that time. and But then he started, uh, he began to stray. She ended up passing away at 75 in a senior's home in 1943 mm. by herself. So no longer dancing actively oh wow um but while she was performing she became the muse of Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec the the composer the at the time painter printer maker draftsman caricaturist and illustrator who also loved brothels because that was the only way he would be able to get sex yeah was <laughs> no so you gotta pay for this shit <laughs> yes so he actually painted her okay. and would paint posters of her to advertise her dancing at oh. these clubs and to advertise her at the moulin rouge and that's how she got these big crowds to come okay. and see her dancing okay speaking of her dancing mm-hmm. um there was no singing involved okay there's certainly singing involved in <laughs> Um, because in this said moment, everything had been wild up to this point. And then we're, we know we're about to meet the diamond of the Moulin Rouge. What do you mean wild? Well, okay. <laughs> it starts with the first wild thing that happens is they take absinthe or drink absinthe. The first thing they do is take absinthe? Probably in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Oh. <laughs> Basically, the first half of the movie... In a blip, because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, sure, yes. I felt like it was a bad trip. Okay. It was like, um, a writer moves in, and he's like, I'm so inspired, I'm a writer. And then his neighbors crash through the ceiling, quite literally, and say, I'm an Argentinian, and I am Toulouse, and I'm short. And <laughs> then they say, let's drink gin while I sing The Hills. The hills are alive. On the, and Which then... Is in the musical. Is in the musical. And then um, the fairy, who is um, the absinthe-type hallucination, comes out. The green, the green, the green fairy. fairy. And says, follow me to the Moulin Rouge. And this is the, the first part of the show. It, this Yes. I'm still talking maybe minute seven. As jaw I'm already in. Jaw drop. <laughs> Her jaw is dropped. <laughs> um, and then they go into the Moulin Rouge and it's a wild, um, huge song d- sung by mainly, what's his name, Ziedler, the like okay. um, announcer man. It's very like set up Harold the stage. Ziedler. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot. Which tracks with what. And I'm talking the cast is like 50 people. Like they have huge. Pan, very panned out wide scape of like 25 pairs, doubles, dancing huge numbers. And so then at that point after that is when we finally meet um, the bell uh, or the what's it called? Diamond. The diamond. Yeah. So have you met Le Chocolat or? Who is that? I have a note about that <laughs> because there was something weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Le Tell Chocolat me who they are and then I'll... Earliest successful black entertainers in modern France. Okay. Yes. That's what I have. Okay. Do you want to know more before I say anything? Well, what what happened... That's at the very end of the notes. Okay. He has a thing at the very end. Okay. So we'll bring him up later. Okay. Okay. Wait, I wanted to tell you about... Satine. Okay. Her entrance. Okay. She... It has been very hectic up to that point. 
And then everything slows down and the cameras turn much more blue and pleasing to me. The red, it was a lot of red before. Red and well, orange. And it's Moulin Rouge. Oh. Yeah. I kind of just thought about or realized that. But she comes out on a swing from the ceiling. Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Our girl's best friend. Yes. And it's just gorgeous. She kills that song. And Swings around on a swing forever. And then the end of the song, she ends it. It's back on the swing after having done a big whoop did you And she's going back up. And she faints off the swing and falls. It was gorgeous. That's the first time she faints. So the other person I was also going to talk about was Le Petomaine. So that's a French flautist. Okay. Which is also known as a professional farter and entertainer. <laughs> wait, wait. What's their name? The f- the f- the what? Le Petomaine. P e t o m a n e. No, I don't think he was a character in the movie. <gasps> wait, I see him. Le Petomaine. I don't remember him. He could have been just like someone in one of the performers. Just a random? Well, yeah, I don't remember him, but so, I'm looking at him. Based off a real person. <clears throat> okay. This is a French flautist, a.k.a. professional farter and entertainer. I thought a flautist was someone who plays the flute. That is a flout. Maybe this, I don't know. This is F-L-A-U. <laughs> F-L-A-U? Well, it, he had... Okay, Remar- just keep going, sorry. He had remarkable control over his abs to fart at will. Oh no. Oh no. It was a common misconception that he passed intestinal gas as part of his stage performance. Okay. Rather, he was allegedly able to inhale or move air into his rectum and then control the release of that air oh with God. his anal sphincter muscles. Hell yes. More. Okay. Evidence of his ability to control these muscles was seen in the early accounts of demonstrations of his abilities to fellow soldiers. He, wait, he was just like showing people? Yep. He said, look what I can do. (laughs) He spread those cheeks and said, look what I can do. To fellow soldiers. Yes. Um, so first thing, that wasn't in the movie. I didn't see anyone, I didn't see a single sphincter in the movie, and I would have remembered something like that. I love it. I really do love it a lot. And it makes, like, farty boys like me feel seen. Do you, is it your ab muscles? No, it's fully my IBS. (laughs) Not the IBS? Yeah, 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 fully. Okay. Oh. Yeah, so he must have been a side character because there was none of that. So what was there? What were the side characters like in the movie? Like, what was the <clears throat> side entertainment? So situation? there was. Well, there was definitely like Toulouse. Um, what's his name? Ziedler. Yeah. Um, Sati. Satine and Christian, who is the playwright. Right. Satine is the like main love interest. Nicole right. Kidman. And then there's also the Duke, who you haven't talked about at all. I don't know if there's any. The basically the whole plot of the movie is all of those characters except for the Duke are trying to convince the Duke to fund their huge amazing celebration. Right. So the Duke pays for like them to transform the whole club into this massive theater. Okay, you bring up a good point. 
<laughs> I'm glad. The plot. I'm glad. The plot. Let's talk about the plot. Um, so, <laughs> the first one that comes up is La, is La Boheme. Okay, yes. Um, and so, it, this was first put on for the Sydney Opera House in 1990, and it was such a huge success, it was completely sold out, and it came back three times and was actually filmed there eventually, and is still played on PBS oh, wow. sometimes. Okay. Um, so, super, super successful. Um, it also went to Broadway in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so La Boheme is also what Jonathan Larson used for Rent. Yes. So, like, the names Mimi and Roger are from La Boheme, which is Mimi and Rudolfo. Mm. Um, but the basic idea in that is that Mimi has consumption eventually yes. and dies. Yes. Consumption happened. Yes. Consumption has been the through line I have found. Okay. Which yes. is... Also known as tuberculosis, I believe, is what I See, found. I knew, when I heard the word consumption while watching Moulin Rouge! Exclamation point, <laughs> I said, I know that's not about eating, but why do I think she died of eating? It wasn't eating. Okay. But I think because they, like, cough up blood. Blood. For sure. I was, te- I was keeping, I love that you mentioned that, because I was keeping a blood count. How many times times Satine pulled over to the side and coughed into a handkerchief of blood? She loved it. I can't. Okay, well, so with that, there's also La Dame au Camille, which is probably the closest source material to, like, the plot or what the show's about. So it was written by Alexander Dumas Fee. He? (laughs) Alexander Dumas Fee. Ooh, that was good. I think. And um, in this, Marguerite, Marguerite... Margarita. Wait, not Margarita. Oh, okay. Margarita. <laughs> the courtesan. Okay. Do we know what that word means? Um, no. It's, I'm pretty sure, a professional sex worker. Okay. Because that was in the movie. Falls in love yeah. with a man named Armand. Okay. He's a young bourgeois. Did he play the sitar? He, he doesn't have <laughs> music. That's a separate one. Okay. okay. He, though, is kind of well off, but... So they're him and said, not Satine. Him and Marguerite okay. end up together, and he convinces her to stop being a courtesan and to be with him. Okay. But but Armand's daddy says no, no, no. Mm-hmm. That'll look bad for my daughter, your sister. And he says, Marguerite, you better lie and say there's another man. Account, which kind of comes into the play with the duke, the duke yeah because yeah. he's like a well-off guy who can provide for her. Yeah. And to leave Armand, she does. She has consumption all Mm -hmm. the whole time, and she does die from it. And the weirdest part about this one, though, is that it the book itself is written after she has died. So it's like talking about. Yes, that's exactly how the movie is. Yes. Exactly, where the very, the very, very first second of the movie is. Christian, the writer, sad and all like has a beard and like all disheveled, and he's like, oh. and he's typing at the typewriter. He's all like, what? Oh. <laughs> at the typewriter, um, because Satine has died. Spoiler alert! That's and that, like starts well, at the end, and then is a whole flashback scenario. Yes. Oh, we're starting at the end. I see. <laughs> um, yeah. Can I also mention about the Duke because I feel yes. like we won't get to it. Because he feels like not yes, a character not... that was really based in reality. Correct. He was more just to like he's make a, pl- a plot. Plot device. Yeah. Yes. So the Duke um, is 
trying to be tricked and convinced that Satine loves him. Um, yes. And so Harold Ziegler sings Madonna's Like a Virgin to the Duke in his like operatic voice. And it's one of the best songs of the, sh- of the entire movie. There's like a whole male chorus. The dancing's really great in the show. I had I had never watched Moulin Rouge exclamation point before. Well, I had watched it one time and got to the absinthe part and I couldn't do it anymore. The first time I watched it. Like, yeah. A while ago. Well, because it's it, it really demands that you just be like, okay, I'm going on a ride now. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, uh, Nicole Kidman, Kidman and Ewan McGregor, they like, one of the best parts about it is watching them like fully just like go for it. It is wild and they like fully commit to the bits and fully just like go for it. And that really like sells it. Because at points I'm like, what is going on? But they're having fun and they're like going for it. And all of a sudden now I'm hearing like Elton John next to like Lil' Kim rapping. And I'm like, whatever. Just go for it. (laughs) Elephant Love Medley. Yes. That one one was very good. I loved it. Well, it's interesting too. There wasn't much about the music. People seemed very eager to have their music be Mm -hmm. in this production and i think a lot of that has to do with baz lerman's did i say it so fast no i think it was right baz lerman baz lerman it's kind of a good tongue twister um he his name brought so much Mm. recognition at that point and even um as you had mentioned leonardo DiCaprio, you had mentioned the romeo and juliet leonardo dicaprio had auditioned for oh the role as well speaking of which ewan mcgregor can sing I don't know how if it was all his voice or it felt like it was or how edited it, it was, but he really was singing great. Well, and so then that musical aspect, which mm-hmm. is really where the Orpheus and Eurydice comes in because Orpheus has mm-hmm. musical ability and charm. Yes. And, um, and he falls for Eurydice very quickly, although her death is not uh, consumption or like internally based okay there's a couple different versions where either a snake bites her or she i can't remember exactly what but i know it's not consumption okay um but she does die so he goes to try and get her after she dies in the underworld and as long as he doesn't look back at her on Mm. their journey out she can go with him but right as they're about to reach the end he looks back and she's okay that also there's one like very specific big moment at the very end of the show. Spoiler alert! I guess this whole podcast is yeah, spoiler is a alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, at the very end of the show, they kind of have this running motif of "come what may." Come what may is like the only original song. Yes, yes, the only original song in the show, and they it was kind of their like secret phrase of like when you're singing in the show to Satine. Even though you have to pretend to love the Duke and you have to pretend to be with him, when we sing Come What May, it like is our way of being like, but I actually love you. Well, I'm secret because they're secret lovers. Well, so maybe that the Duke almost has a little bit of like Hades is the like, yeah, thing definitely. keeping them apart. Yes. But yeah, otherwise. Oh, and so what happens at the very end of the movie is he's walking out during the big performance and she's singing and she just broke up with him because she has to go with the Duke. And at the very end of the show, he's like walking out and then she sings come what may. And 
then he like slowly turns back around to look at her and then they are like we're gonna stay in love there's a lot about love and that's how it ends um oh no okay (laughs) well they like stay in love and they finish out the show and then immediately after the show ends she dies all these endings have all the women dying yes in all of them yes it was like the applause was still happening from the final number and she drops but it has this idea of like okay start it again because it's just one and continuous story wait what do you mean by that it like takes it right back to the beginning of the oh where he's like sad and writing Yeah. yeah 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 very true um, but the other performer that I had right now was mm-hmm. the lot. Yes. Which, what did you have? Okay, so the cho- Chocolat. Did, is he called Chocolate in the movie? So, they, they had not mentioned him at any time And he before. is a he. Yes, it's a guy. Okay. Um, in the movie. And they had not mentioned his name, anything about him. During... This is a little bit more like into the middle of the movie, kind of, but towards the end where Satine is telling the Duke, no, I don't want to be with you anymore. Mm. I love the writer, Christian. And the Duke starts to get violent with her and is like in the process of going to rape her, basically. And Le Chocolat, who we don't know at all, he's just like a member of the troupe, the acting troupe comes in and like hits the duke over the head to like stop him from raping her and then when they're back with um satine and safe and somewhere else i don't remember christian is like out of nowhere he goes thank you le chocolat and it just shocked me where i was like wait a second who is this man why did he just call him chocolate essentially it was weird well so so now i hear that it's a real thing and so yes it was I guess it wasn't... It felt very, like, racially thing out of nowhere. I was like... Well, so, Le Chocolat was one of the earliest successful black entertainers in modern France. He actually escaped enslaved life. Wow. However, he had been sold to people that were anti-abolitionists. Okay. Anti-abolitionists means they want slavery to still happen? Correct. Okay. So, call him servant. He was the only black person in the town. Got it. Um, Okay. And the... But they were in a place where slavery was no longer a thing. Okay. But... Understood. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he eventually escapes... This is in France? Or... That is, I believe, in either Cuba or Havana. Okay. Somewhere around that area. Okay. Havana? Yeah. I I said Havana. I think you did, but I think... It was kind of combined Cuba and Havana. Yeah, I think... I think Havana... Maybe we should look this up, but I think Havana is in Cuba. I think they could be the same. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Either way. So, he was like 14 or 15. He escapes. He makes it to the docks, is what was written. Got it. And he has very good dancing skills, and he's also very strong. And he is discovered by another clown. Well, I should say a clown. Okay. Named Tony Grice. He brings him on as, at first, as his like handyman like assistant uh-huh. and then he starts doing shows with him and he does stuntman things with the clown mm. um and then he becomes a, a star and a, as a dancer in mime in his own show called the wedding of chocolat 
um, because he performed at the big, it's not called the Big Top Circus. I can't remember the name of it exactly. But he got found by one of the other owner of Moulin Rouge, who also helped open one of the first circuses okay. in France. Okay. And he was like, that's a star, not, not a helper. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he was. And then wow. he ended up meeting the love of his life, who was married with two kids at the time. Oh. While working at the Moulin Rouge? Not at the while... Moulin, but while performing as this act. Yeah. Okay. They meet, they fall in love, she gets divorced, he marries her, raises her kids as his own, and they become wow. a circus family. <gasps> circus family! <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that and like dropped the metaphorical mic, you just said, yep, I'm talking about circus family, got you. Wow. None of that. None <laughs> of that was in the movie. I, w- I could have watched... You're telling me I had the option to watch a movie about a circus family? Pretty I much. so much would have watched that. Hell yeah. So, yeah, in the movie, he's a very tiny part who strangely got a named character part where I was like, why are we talking about his name? He He's said one line, I think. So it was, yeah, definitely like more of a reference. Like, mm. I think what I know of the movie is it's pretty like heavily women just getting, abu- not abused, but is that not correct? Um, Satine. Does she have any agency or no? You know, no, not really. Mm. She like, she's, uh, she doesn't really like it. I don't think Mm. she's great at it, but she's not really having a fun time performing for all these men, like cheering at her. And Satine definitely later in the movie talks about like wishing they could run away together. So I feel like if she had her full agency and like her own independence, she wouldn't be there and doing it Mm -hmm. when she finds out she's dying she tells Satine tells Christian to leave her go away go have a like complete life without me and let me like die here Mm. in like the place that I've always called home yeah there's not a lot of other like honestly female characters it was mainly just Satine with all the male characters which does seem to be the theme amongst the different stories that he's pulled from. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very many female characters. Right. Or at least it seems like it was a place filled with female like people, but maybe the like their stories weren't ever like really recorded or being right. like listened to really at all. Well, there's that and then I'm also curious about the Bollywood aspect because what he said is that he didn't really do research on Bollywood. He was looking, he was doing a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. And so he went yeah. and saw some Bollywood movies and was like, it was the lowest form of comedy. And it was like these huge emotions and just like mm. these very bright colors and the big dances and everyone yeah. together. But it was, I didn't know if there wasn't anything specific that he said that he like pulled from. Yeah, you know, I was kind of trying to avoid talking about. <laughs> This part just because it's it's just because the plot is a little bit difficult to say where it's is it problematic? No, not in that. Well, yes, but (laughs) not in the way that's confusing to talk about. It's like the characters are all writers, so they are writing a script for a show. 
in the movie itself. So it's like a show within a show, kind of. Like all La Boheme them, and Rent. Exactly, yeah. They're all yeah. actors. And so they're putting on a show that's very much, like, directly related to the life. So Satine is playing a character that is her. It's like a sex worker who falls in love with the rich man, a.k.a. the Duke. Sure. And then there's this lonely sitar player who is supposed to be Christian, the playwright, in real life. So... The play within this movie is very Bollywood themed. That's where it comes through. So definitely what you said makes sense with like not being necessarily very, um, I guess, detailed in like actual research and more trying to replicate a genre. Because at the end, it was very like, whoa, there's like, I don't there's a name for it and I don't know it uh, like Taj Mahal style buildings like mm-hmm. in the background of the you know what I mean yes but that feels random for Paris like in well, France well it was in the background of like the theater scene like oh. for the set and like all of them were in kind of that um, style costume while they were like in the show well and I know that her like room is in an elephant yes is that true? Yes. In the movie? Yes. There's a, there's like one of the main scene, like location is in her room, which is inside of this big like elephant. I don't really understand it. It was like just a large elephant. That wasn't a real elephant. It was like an elephant made out of like materials, like it was a house. But why was it an elephant? Um... I think it was part of, like, it was, like, a set piece or something that they had used. It was, like, a big, like, performance thing that would, like, roll out. And she would be, she could come out of it, but then, like, still be in her, like, quarters. It was very, it's not practical whatsoever. It was very over the top. Sure. And very, like, extravagant. One thing I do have to mention, though, is there was a tango. Which was, it was a pretty climactic part of the movie where... It starts with um, the two, an actor who's playing Christian in the play. Okay. Who's the Argentinian I mentioned very much earlier who Mm -hmm. crashed through the roof. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He sings Roxanne in a tango with the main dancer girl. Yes. And it was so good. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't that, know where it was going. <laughs> that's my that was my um my favorite song of the show. He's like, Roxanne, like that. Yeah, he kind of like is very growly, not really has a pitch, but just like screaming it, and it's very like climactic. Everyone's boom to the left, and you know tangos where it's like switching quickly. Yeah, switching yeah. quickly. That's a good way to put it. Best number of the show. So overall, what are your feelings about uh, before you say your opinion? But what? Yeah, you don't like the movie. You do. Um, <laughs> you said you enjoyed the ending. So exactly, it switched a hundred percent for me. Where the beginning of the movie, I could, I was like, I can't believe I have to watch an hour and a half more of this. <laughs> to be honest, friendship ending. <laughs> Not friendship <laughs> ending. I was gonna finish it, and it felt like it's kind of like a cult classic movie like i have to watch this at some point yeah especially like as a theater person the second half of the movie i would love to watch again when like the song started becoming more like i don't know recognizable or it's kind of recognizable and like some of the mashups were like every line was a different song 
Sure. And it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not even getting half of these references because it's a movie that came out in like 2001. These songs are old. It's just like a lot. When sure. you think of mashups, I think of like Glee where they're like two songs max. One of my things that I thought about when I was watching it is this where mashups came from. Is this where mashups came from? Is that the thing? Did people do like song mashups before this? Yes. This is what, 2001? Yeah. Yes, people did <laughs> mashups before that. <laughs> I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know they exist. The biggest, one of the biggest, like, um, motifs or kind of like themes of the movie, like, it was a lot about love. It was very much love. Yes. And very much like, above all else, we were meant for each other. And no matter what, even even though I know you're dying, I'm still going to keep writing your story. And one of her last lines were like, tell our story. Right. And the um, they kept saying, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is to love and be loved in return. So what do you think? I think... Is it based? Is it biased? Or is it BS? BS. It's certainly not BS. I was... Very surprised to learn how many people were based in reality. Like, Le Chocolat gagged me. I cannot <laughs> believe he was a real person. I was ready to be like, what was the strange moment of calling this man this name? <laughs> um, may, I think it, I would say based. I think it, like, maybe it didn't, like, take from one source. It just took from a lot of different, like, moments in the Moulin Rouge's history to make a larger than life movie and so like it's a lot of like these things didn't actually happen but it but they probably from a lot of things yeah and even like the idea of like taking from those like older stories like la boheme it's still like based on that right it's um yeah i'd say yeah it's just like a creative way of like mashing up a lot of things kind of like the music is just mashed up of all these different songs and I feel like you used the word camera angles. Yeah. There was a lot of moments. It was definitely a movie that was filmed to be a stage show. Like at some point in its career. Okay. There was a lot of moments of like characters singing and acting directly towards the camera. Where oh. they were like looking at you. A lot of camera angles like that. Or where they would come up and like. I don't know if they actually did it. But they would like grab the camera and like move it with them and stuff. That was very headache-inducing okay. at times, but effective. So, she's based. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say based. Based in, on a true story. Many true stories. Many true stories. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to be able to watch a musical for this show, podcast very often. So I yes. should have soaked in the moments. Agreed on that point. Yeah, I don't think I'll be able to see a musical or watch a musical for this show again. Well, you never know. You never know what we might... A musical movie. What we might discover. <clears throat> but it's not all going to be musical movies. So thank no. you for listening, obviously, to the first episode and many more to come. You know, like the genre, I feel like, of things is going to be different every week. Agreed. The limit does not exist. Literally. Who knows? Maybe we'll watch Drink Girls next week. The one that does not exist? Mean Girls. Oh. <laughs> okay, with that note, with that note, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>
there was a weird squeak that came out of me. I heard that, but I didn't know it was you. Yeah, I thought it was, it was the chair. No. It was, me. <laughs> <laughs> it was my body. It was me. Okay. 